Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Let's see, uh, last year, Tom Brady, home Super Bowl game. This year, Matt Stafford, home Super Bowl game. Kyler Murray, here we come. Uh-oh, next year. <laughs> I mean, can you believe the way this is working out? Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max on ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80, and your smart speakers. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. By the way, you can call us, 888-SAY-ESPN, 729-3776, or hit us up, the Twitter feed, at Max. And did you know you can listen to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max commercial-free? That's right. You can listen to all your favorite ESPN radio shows and much more without the ads on TuneIn, the best audio app for sports fans. Just download the TuneIn app to get started. All right, guys, let's continue the conversation you were just having with Dave Rothenberg and Rick DiPietro. Matthew Stafford and Joe Burrow are going to be the, the, the first number one overall quarterbacks to face each other. A lot of years in between. But they both went number one overall to face each other in the Super Bowl since Peyton Manning and Cam Newton in Super Bowl 50. Key, what do you make of Joe Burrow turning the Bengals around? We can call it two years, but he didn't play. That. I mean, like he got hurt last year, and that was the end of their season. This is his first full season as quarterback. Number one pick, get Joe Burrow, boom, you're in the Super Bowl. Yeah, Joe Burrow, yeah. Uh Jay, go ahead and go since I took all the minutes to last segment on the crosstalk. You go ahead and, you know, they want to hear your voice, so go. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> he must be in the bite of, middle yeah, of a bite of like, a sandwich what, or something. I was like, what the hell just happened? <laughs> no, I was, you know what, I was gathering my paperwork, but I know, I know what you're saying about Joe Burrow. You know, being young, second year, you know, missed a little bit of last year. Impressive. Now, look, those quarterbacks, all these young guys in the AFC are going to be here for a while. Ten years at least, right? Unless something happened injury-wise that derailed their careers. And Joe Burrow's certainly going to be there. Now, will the Cleveland Browns get it together and find a quarterback to go with the rest of their team? Or will they stick with Baker Mayfield? Will he finally turn things around? We know it's in Buffalo. We know it's in Baltimore. We know it's in Kansas City. So when you start to look at it, is the Tennessee Titans going to finally say enough's enough and go get one of the old heads to kind of get in the mix over the next several years? Justin Herbert's out west in the Chargers, are they finally going to get over the hump? Or are we going to be talking about them in the AFC next year? So the AFC is loaded with a bunch of young quarterbacks, much like the NFC used to be back in the day, or even further back in the day when we were all kids and the AFC had the, the likes of the Warren Moons and the Jim Kellys running around in the Dan Marinos. What are we seeing right now? Now, Jay, like because the human brain is lazy, this is one of the reasons there are stereotypes. <laughs> Whose brain and stuff. is lazy? The human brain. Like we gen- there's too much information to, to, to judge everyone individually all the time, so we generalize. Yep. And we we typecast right, mm-hmm. and we hear Joe Burrow, and he's Joe Cool, so we link him with Joe Namath and Joe Montana, right? Well, the only two players, I mean, it's who won the FBS uh, championship and have a chance to win the Super Bowl are. Joe Namath and Joe Montana, and now you're looking at ain't Joe that the, that's where I was going. Ain't that the truth? There is something about this cat, Joe yeah, Burrow. Man. It was obvious from the beginning, and it does remind you of Joe Namath. I mean, that was before my time, really. But all the you know the NFL films and everything, and Joe Montana, which we lived through. I lived through that. Like, oh my God, this dude. There's something about this guy where it makes you feel like as long as he's on that other sideline, no lead is safe, the game's never over. 
Well, here's the thing, because obviously we're talking about this matchup coming up. We know with Aaron Donald and Von Miller and the amount of pressure they were able to put on Jimmy G in the fourth quarter, right? Uh, unlimited pressure. I mean, the game ended pretty much off of interception because due to pressure from Aaron Donald on Jimmy G. But recognizing and hearing Dan Orlovsky talk about the fact that Cincinnati has a bottom three O-line. Bottom three O-line. Sacked nine times versus the Titans. You saw Kansas City put cheap, you know, pressure on him. This dude just, he has a poise to him, Max, that there are a lot of young players out there. And I, I get all the names. And I, Patrick Mahomes is special. And Josh Allen is special. And a lot of other quarterbacks in the AFC, they're so damn special. But there's just something about this guy that just feels like he's cut from a different cloth. Like, regardless of whatever's thrown his way, he knows how to win because he can win in those big moments. I mean, the, the, the fact of the matter is it was Mahomes and Allen and the AFC goes through those two guys. And Joe Burrow, and we, we all knew, hey, Joe Burrow's coming, Justin Herbert's coming, Lamar Jackson's out there. But, it, but Joe Burrow's like, uh-uh, I'm not coming. I'm here. Forget Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, don't forget that incredible series in the it was this year. Neither one of those two teams is going to the Super Bowl. He bumped them year one, basically. And we listen, we know Burrow, whatever, whatever level, is going to be there for a while. What about the Rams side of things? Key, is this Matthew Stafford's only shot to win a Super Bowl with the Rams? It's not his only shot. It's probably his best shot to win a Super Bowl with the Rams because San Francisco's going to figure their situation out. Seattle's going to figure, you know, everybody's figuring their situations out. You're there right now. You've got to finish the deal. What are you going to, oh, I'm going to go and then we'll lose and we're going to get back in two years. No, you're not. You better win it now. You got to win it now. Well, and then everything else you'll wait for to see what happens. But these other teams in the NFC or even in the AFC are going to come a-coming. They're coming for you. And, Jay, they, well, the, reason the Rams I, ain't going to improve in the draft. No, and, and the reason <laughs> I say you win it now is because, look, man, this has affected a lot of other teams. It's the war of attrition, right? I mean, you talk about people getting hurt, where Von Miller will be, where Aaron Donald will be, where Cam Akers will be. Um, you know, Obviously, you get some of your other talent back, Robert Woods, but what happens this year with OBJ? I mean, Cooper Cup having a phenomenal year. Just everything feels like it is set up for the Rams to win right now. I don't know. What will happen next year with injuries and things of that sort? You don't know. You don't know. And the Rams' defensive line versus the Bengals' offensive line, mismatch, check yes. Rams. Experience at quarterback, mismatch, check Rams. Home field advantage even, mismatch, check Rams. And yet I'm telling you guys something right now. I doubt it will be anything other than a one-score game in the fourth quarter. Hold on now. The line opened up at four. It's dropped down to three and a half. So, I mean, all these check marks, that's why I said there, it feels like there's extra added pressure now on Matthew Stafford and Sean McVay because of all the reasons you just gave out. Plus, that game being at home, there's no other better shot to win a Super Bowl. And, Key, I believe you brought it up earlier. Someone brought it up earlier. One game away. Maybe it was Evan, our producer. Maybe it was Jay. Key, was it you? One game away from the Hall of Fame. Like Matt Stafford, given Key, mm. how many fourth quarter comebacks he's already orchestrated with the Lions, given the fact that he now comes to the to a team where he has a shot, and as soon as he has a shot, he wins playoff games, including one against Tom Brady and likely Brady's last NFL game, where Brady was great and down the stretch almost orchestrated a comeback. If he wins the Super Bowl, he punched his ticket, didn't he? I, I think so. I think he will. Um, 
Philip Rivers is going in the Hall of Fame, right? Mm-mm, nope. You don't think Philip Rivers is getting a shot in the Hall of Fame? No, I don't think. I think had he won a Super Bowl, the answer would be yes, given his regular season numbers. But you no, don't I don't so? think he is. You don't think that Philip Rivers, uh, he hadn't even appeared in one, huh? Nah. He got to what, one AFC championship? I think, I think he squeaks in somehow. Maybe not a first ballot, but mm-hmm. I think he gets in. With that being said, numbers-wise for Matthew Stafford, appearing in a Super Bowl and probably – you know, if he wins the Super Bowl, he'll certainly get in the Hall of Fame. That's what I'm saying. But yeah. if he loses, I don't think so. Like, I don't it's, know it's, because it's, if he loses, he still's got another five years to compile numbers. No doubt, but Key, you just said it yourself. But it's think not about impossible. It. Dan Marino lost. Yeah, but he ain't. Uh, let's yeah, not. Yeah, yeah, Stafford's good. He ain't yeah. Dan Marino. That's, that's, no, 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 no. We're not talking about Orm talent and not. I'm just talking about appearing in the Super Bowl in numbers. His I, numbers, I don't, I don't have it in front of me, but his numbers have got to be. He's got to be in the all-time career categories and all that stuff. Well, he's he's in a pass-happy era that Marino was not in. All that stuff. He checks the eyeball test. Looks real good, right? But I, I've seen better, in my opinion. He checks some numbers boxes, put up some big numbers. So other guys have put up bigger numbers, but okay. I'm saying right now, if he checks the Super Bowl champion box, based on what you just said, Key, it's not like they'll never have another shot, but this is their best one. No, this is their best shot. It's their best shot. He's in the Super Bowl now. If I really think if Stafford wins it, he's a Hall of Famer. And if he doesn't, I just don't know. See, I think he'll put up – I think his numbers, though, you know how people get all crazy about the numbers, error or not. Keyshawn J. Willemax, presented by Progressive Insurance. Speaking of the Hall of Fame, the greatest Bengal ever is here with us right now. Anthony Munoz, Hall of Fame offensive tackle, Walter Payton, NFL Man of the Year, nine-time first-team All-Pro. This doesn't even sound realistic. Oh, my. And member of the last two Bengals AFC championship teams. How does this feel? How surreal is it that you're uh, you're going to the Super Bowl? You know, I think if you would have told me before the season that we'd be going to the Super Bowl, I probably would have called you crazy. You know, nothing surprises me now. I know the kind of guys that we have. I don't really think it's set in, to be honest with you, Paul. It's a moment you'll never be able to replicate. The great Anthony Munoz. There are rooms in the Hall of Fame. This dude is in the inner sanctum. How does it feel to see the Bengals heading back to the Super Bowl, Anthony? Hey, good morning, gentlemen. Let me just tell you one thing. The sun is shining bright in the natty, and I'm sure a lot of people are smiling this morning. This big guy also got a big smile. I'm so excited for this team. Zach Taylor, Joe Burrow, and all the other guys. Amazing. So much fun to watch. It was a great night last night. Anthony, how impressed were you? Just Joe Burrow's calm, collective nature. He almost got sacked a couple times on one play by Chris <laughs> Jones, but he just continued to just keep clamoring away and fighting. You know, it's amazing. You know, at first you watch him, and then you continue to watch him, and then he keeps doing it. I mean, he's just poised. I mean, the way he escaped Jones, and then he had to give it that little high knee to get away from the diving Jones. And, I mean, he just – you know, the thing about it, and you know, Key, when your quarterback – is like that. It just permeates and it's contagious with all the other guys. And you see him, the way he carries himself, 
And I know for me, that would have given me a lot of confidence knowing that the guy behind me was that cool and poised. And uh, really, that is the type of guy you want leading your team because it elevates everyone around him. Anthony, as Mike Tyson said, you know, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. And recognizing what that defense is for the Rams and the issues from the O-line perspective from Cincy, how does Joe Barrow deal with that in the Super Bowl matchup? Well, you know, that's, again, another tough week. I mean, that's one concern I've had. And, uh, you know, they have, a, they have a couple guys, one guy in particular that, uh, you know, you double, triple team them. And, uh, you know, that frees up a lot of other guys. And Errol, uh, Aaron Donald, man, the guy is amazing. The best I've, I've seen uh, since Reggie White, you know, and uh, nobody can handle him. <clears throat> you know, it becomes, you know, again, a big, big factor. I mean, it's the guys, they got to play the, the, the game of their life. And, uh but, you know, on the other side, you know, we talk about that offensive line and what we have to do. But how about the defensive adjustments and what was going on in the first half and what they were able to do? You know, I hear people saying, well, Mahone stunk the second half. I tell you what, there's two sides to a story, man. When, when someone stinks, there's someone on the other side usually making that happen. So if the defense can, uh, you know, you're, I heard you talk about Matthew Stafford. They got cup, and, I mean, it's – it's going to be a challenge. and I mean, it's a Super Bowl. So, uh, you know, once you get in the playoffs, uh, it's going to be a challenge. So that offensive line knows that they got their work cut out for them and they have two weeks to get ready. And, uh, you know, the, the staff, as far as, uh, you know, strategy, being able to put them in a you know, position that's going to make them successful if it's, uh, you know, sliding or chipping or a lot of different ways that you can help out that offensive line. But you don't want to eliminate those weapons you have going downfield. Anthony Munoz, Hall of Fame, offensive tackle, nine-time first-team All-Pro, 11-time Pro Bowler, and member of the last two Bengals AFC Championship teams. Join us this morning on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. When you look at this particular team, Anthony, and you've been around them for quite some time, what has allowed this team to go from worst to basically first, winning the division in getting a Super Bowl nod in a short period of time. You know, it's been fun for me to watch because I watch interaction. I watch the guys. I watch them talk. There were several words that come to mind right away, and I'm going to add another word, but several words, confidence, not only in themselves, but in each other. Uh, Fun, playing with each other and playing loose. I mean, you can tell they love each other and they play well with each other. They just, I mean – when you get wide receivers blocking hard for each other, for running backs, and vice versa, and you see the interaction on the sideline. But another word I'm going to add is resiliency. Man, these guys, they just grind and grind. And they be- I think they have tremendous belief in themselves, again, that confidence in- that they can win. And I think that's a, a key thing, you know, because people constantly ask me before the playoffs, what about the lack of playoff experience? I'm like, well, from what I've seen with these guys, and it continues to go that way, they don't. They, it's just the confidence that they have and, and the, the fun they have playing. I think that kind of you know eliminated any uh, doubt that they didn't have playoff experience. Anthony, what's impressed you most about Zach Taylor thus far? You know, um, I've gotten to know Zach really well. I love the guy. Um, I love his you know personality. I love his football mind. I think it's just the way he interacts with the guys, and you know he he gets it. I mean, he's a young guy, but he gets it, and he. You know, you can see what's been going on with this team. You know, he brought in some coaches. They didn't work out. He, you know, brought in some more. You know, he had brought in a line coach that he knew didn't work out. He brought Frank Pollock back. And so I think it's just 
his mind that's constantly going, and he understands the connection with the players and the community. And it, you know, to me, it takes me back to when Tony Dungy got to, to Tampa. And Key Derek Brooks shared this with me. When Tony got there, the Bucks were just terrible. And I guess Derek kind of went to him at the first practice and said, "Coach, you didn't talk anything about winning games. Your first meeting with us, we're terrible." And I guess Tony talked, and Derek says he talked about, we have to win this community. We've got to get this community, and then the wins will come. And I really think that's what Zach gets. He gets that it's more than just the team, the players. I mean, he's giving game balls out to, to people in the community. Yeah. Now, t- uh, Tony, uh, we, you and I, Anthony, got it wrong, right? <laughs> Pide Sue. Jamar Chase. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, now I know where I'm at. Where are you at on it? Do they? Do we still feel like, based on how Burrow's been beat up the last couple games, that Chase was the right pick? For right now, yeah, but I'm still – I mean, we still need alignment. I tell you what, we still need a guy. And, um, you know, it, it's hard to, to you know, say – Panay would have done the job that, you know, even with Burrow getting hit. But he cannot, you know as well as I do, he's a tough kid, man, but he can't take the hits like this year after year and game after game. Uh, we won't have Joe long if that continues. But, um, you know, I still wish we would, you know, somehow, free agency or, you know, even, I mean, I've kind of switched my thought on Panay and Slater, man. I think Slater's the guy. You know, I know a lot of people had him ranked higher. But um, we still need to address that area. And, uh, you know, but it's hard for me to say, I wish we hadn't taken Jamar. (laughs) That guy's crazy. I mean, he's he's been a game changer. And you could, you could, we could, you know, pick up the offensive lineman in this draft. (laughs) That's what, you know, you're in the Super Bowl, year year two of Joe Burrow's Super Bowl. I hope Joe lobbies for an O lineman like he did for Jamar, if that's what, you know, what happened. I hope he's like, We've got to get somebody, you know, <laughs> and uh, yeah. so we'll, we'll see what happens. But man, I tell you what, big big task coming up uh, February thirteenth in uh, out in L.A. But it's fun. They're there. That's the key. They are there. Anthony, real question, real quick question. Before the half, uh, when the Chiefs decided not to take the field goal but decided to go for the points, what were your thoughts on that? Because a lot of people thought that was a game changer, momentum wise, in the football game. Well, you know, my thought was, okay, they've been, I mean, they've been having their way. They've been moving the ball. You know, they're going to score. They're going to get something. Uh, I didn't think right at the time that it would, you know, be the difference or the game changer. I just thought, man, he had confidence in what they were doing. And, you know, and what they were doing was pretty impressive. I mean, the way, you know, Mahomes was standing back there and just kind of, you know, getting what he wanted to get. and But it, it ended up, uh, like you said, a game changer, momentum changer, and, you know, it was one of those things. Like, I didn't say, man, why didn't you go for the field goal? That's good. You know, you're up, what, 21-whatever, and I'm thinking they're just going to extend that lead because, you know, what they had been doing. Well, this is a man we're talking to right now where if his prime overlapped with this era right now for the Bengals, Ooh. we know who the Super Bowl favorites would be, and it wouldn't be by three and a hook. Hall of Fame offensive tackle Anthony Munoz. Anthony, th- thanks a million for jumping on with us this morning. Hey, guys, always a pleasure. You know that. Uh, you guys take care. Have a great day. And let me just give you one more who day. 
Take care. Congrats, man. That's nine-time first-team All-Pro Anthony Munoz. Nine-time first-team All-Pro. Someone who was there for three of Tom Brady's Super Bowls, not even half of them. That's next. Keyshawn J. Willemax, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus, electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome. So you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's l e c t r i c ebikes.com. Keyshawn J Will and Max, the podcast. Keyshawn J Will and Max, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80 and your smart speakers. Rocky Marciano, undefeated heavyweight champion of the world once upon a time 1950s, used to do the same thing sleep in the locker room right really? before the fight and it was unnerving to opponents because like this dude is so calm he's sleeping and he always went to war got hit a million times but yeah it's that must have been crazy teddy brewski now someone who was there What's up, guys? for up, three baby? of tom brady's super bowls teddy you must have been thinking hey i was with tom for most of the ride at the time it's not even half of his no, Super Bowls, yeah. Teddy. Actually, my goal as an analyst was to outlast Tom Brady as a player. And uh, <laughs> so, I made it. I made it. Yeah. It's not official yet, Ted. No. Hang in. Don't jinx yourself. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah that, yeah, that story of him sleeping was really amazing to me. That's, that, that's, I mean, we, you test him early on, even before that, as veteran players at that time, defensively, verbally, you know, talking trash, see how uh, mentally tough he is in practice, and you sort to test guys all the time but that there I remember that moment wa- moment walking uh, walking by his locker and seeing him asleep and figuring I hope he's ready to go level you, of you, gangsterism you just, right there still didn't know you still didn't know who it was until after that game that's Teddy Bruschi giving you the straight talk brought to you by straight talk wireless no contract no compromise key um I really believe this Teddy I really believe this Tom's walking away right now it looks like I don't. I think because guys like there's no, guys like me. There's no, no one in the universe anymore is saying, "Hey, you know what? Next year, I don't think he could do it anymore." Right? Like he's there's nothing left to prove. Everyone knows he could have been the MVP this year. Still, might be. We'll see. He's hey Max. How do you think he's going to play next yeah, year? MVP yeah. level? There's no no critics left. That's perfect for him, probably also. And I think that's something that's probably come out of Giselle's mouth, word for word. Honey, what mm. else do you have to prove? Two years in Tampa Bay, okay, uh, the ultimate team success the first year in terms of winning the Super Bowl. The next year, the individual success, I mean, he almost threw his age in touchdown passes in 43, I think it was. I mean, leading the league in yards, all of that stuff. So I think 
after this, where would he go? Where would he go? I mean, just down maybe. I mean, do you suffer an injury? Is it not as it is not is not as good individually next year? So walking away and saying this is sort of a perfect chance because I did it in one place for twenty, I did it another place and won another championship. It just shows who he is. Teddy, you ever think Tom Brady would try to buy an NFL team? <laughs> oh man, I mean, he's. I think that he's always looked to Mr. Kraft, uh, Robert Kraft, RKK, as we all affectionately refer to him, as, no, that's the ultimate. I mean, it's, it's all players do. It's like, wow, owning a football team. I mean, there are certain guys, though, that don't go to that level. So I don't know what his goals are going forward, but I'm sure he has a plan. Mm. Teddy, when, when did you know that Tom Brady or recognize that Tom Brady could be special? Man, Key, you know what? That's a good question because it's like some guys say, man, as soon as it off the bat. But it's like, no, I had to wait a couple years, really. Um, I would say that that the second Super Bowl when we played the Carolina Panthers and we defensively had moments where we just can't stop them anymore. All right. You got to take it and put it in on your shoulders. And he did. And then after that second one, it was like, wow. This is something that we when we have we're on to. He's going to be something special. But that first year, you know, I mean, Tom was responsible for in that playoff run for two touchdowns in the entire playoff run. He scrambled for a touchdown versus the Raiders in the snow. Uh, he got hurt in the AFC Championship game. Bledsoe came in and threw a touchdown pass. We scored twice on special teams. And he had one touchdown to David Patton in the Super Bowl. Ty Law scored. So it was like more of other guys and other units, you know, picking him up and buying him time to develop. But then 2002 season, 2003 season, right in there towards the end, I think that's when I finally figured out that this guy is really, really good. Did, did you finally figure that out? Or, I mean, he had the stuff inside. But early on, like comparing him to Peyton, a lot of football fans are like, I'd rather have Brady. He's just a winner. But a lot of that was, yeah, because he has Belichick. Peyton's actually better, really, right? And then it turned at a certain point like, no, actually, Brady is putting up those Peyton numbers and he's winning, right? And then it got to a point where he's winning all the time. So when you say you were slow to recognize it, is that because you were slow to recognize it or is that because it was still developing in him and, in fact, it wasn't all there yet. Great point. Yeah, it was. It was still developing, and the expectations weren't on him. Peyton came in as a number one overall pick. So with that, people automatically look, boom, okay, when's it going to be? Is it going to be now? Is it going to be game eight in, in year one? But when's it going to be? You have to lead us. And there's a different process when you come in as a six-round pick, 199 overall, famously, and you have to come in, and when the starter comes out, and all of a sudden now you come that that backup role and you come in – and guys don't really look at you that way until, you know, we win three Super Bowls and then the 07 season where that's when he's putting up the, the 50 touchdowns mm. and things like that. He won championships in every role, contributing role, complementary role, and the main role. So I really, I was so fortunate to be able to watch the development from him from start to betting him 20 bucks before we go out and practice as a scout team quarterback. I'll pick you off today Mm. and pick him off and talk trash to him and never see him again because he was so upset. But before I left and I'm in the locker room, where's Brady? I go because I want my money. I go take a shower and I walk up. There's a 20 in my locker. But he never saw me face to face because uh, he just hated it so much. I and love that. Was the, that was the competitor in him. Uh, there's a 20. And, yeah, he's sensitive. He's going home. So all the way from that development was something that I witnessed. was so fortunate. Teddy, do you have a favorite Tom Brady moment that you guys shared together? Oh, man. 
Tom Brady, which one? Is it, is it a family moment? Is, a, is it a team Whatever, whatever the favorite I mean, moment is for you. For well, you. Well, for me, um, winning your first championship when you break through to be part of a team that is, has really changed the way people see your organization – um, like the Bengals have a chance to do. You know, they never won it before. You're historically losers. You're not going to do it. All of a sudden, it's like people are going to doubt them again going into this one. And you break through the last drive in, in the Super Bowl for the 01 season, uh, which is the ring I usually wear, which is I'm wearing now. J.R. Redmond, J.R. Redmond, Troy Brown over the cro- a deep crosser, J- Jermaine Wiggins on a little out route, and he spikes the ball, and the ball sort of floats in the air, J. Will, and he put out the left hand, and it just falls in his hand, mm. and he just stares at it. And I'm like, this guy just did that and he's posing. You know what I mean? We're on to something here. So seeing that moment and seeing the calm that he had to just, it it was magical too. The ball just sort of was like, please put your hand out because that's where I belong. You know what I mean? One of those moments like that. It was so special, but that was probably one on the field I'll never forget. Yes. Teddy, Josh McDaniels gets a second bite at the apple. Does it pay off this time? Key, I think so. I mean, I think what he's going to learn, and I think that first experience was a failure, and he knows the reason why. I don't think he was himself there. I think he tried to put on his best Bill Belichick imitation. And, you know, Bill failed in his first first job in Cleveland, too. Josh fails in Denver. You're really not sure of yourself when you're, when you're that young. He had so much responsibility on him in Denver. Now it's like, I mean, I spent some time with him in training camp out there at the Patriots, and it just seemed like he was set with who he was individually. It didn't seem like I was talking to a Belichick clone anymore or anything like that. It was, it was you, you, it, your time is coming. And I'm so happy for him that he has it because I think the Raiders are going to, they got a great coach and a guy that's going to bring his own individual flavor now that he has developed over the course of that, that few years since he was that coach in Denver to now. It's so interesting that you say that being himself because I can I think a lot of us can relate to those experiences if you have a mentor or even someone you just look up to and you eventually get to that level or that position or that role yeah. just like you role model behavior on your parents or whatever you those that's been a role model for you and and you do a little imitation until you find yourself. I think that's a really interesting point. If Josh McDaniels can do that, he's got a quarterback. We'll see what, what the real Josh McDaniels' head coach look like. What does this say about how long all of this Bill Belichick might coach? That's a good question. Uh, man, let's, I think he wants Shula. You know what I mean? I think he wants to be the all-time winningest head coach in NFL history. And what's that going to take? Um, <laughs> I think that's going to take about two to three more years. I think, he goes, I think he gets that. He's always said, Max, he always said, I don't want to be Marv Levy. All right, I'm not going to coach into my 70s. I'm not going to do all that, fellas. I want to, you know, but here he is. I mean, he's like 70 years, seven years old now, and here he goes still coaching. And what gives you more energy to coach is when – he always believed this. Good coaches, good players, and good fortune to win championships. And Mac Jones was a good fortune again. Mm-hmm. How, how he dropped all the way down to 15. And now I don't know what kind of quarterback I have, but I've got a good young rookie quarterback that I think I can develop into something and win 10-plus games a year so and you, have a chance. Do you think he thinks that he needs to win a Super Bowl since Brady did it without him? Catching Shula is one thing. Winning a Super Bowl without Brady on the way to catching Shula it ends the ends any kind of critique at all. I don't think it's win a Super Bowl because I think well, I know how he thinks. I mean, it's how he taught me to think that 
Anything can happen in these games, Max. I mean, you can have the best coaching performance in a game, and all of a sudden they block a kick and your season's over. Okay? All right, the Green Bay Packers know how that feels. Okay? So I think just to be successful without Tom is, 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 is good for him. And then them making the playoffs, it was a huge success and a huge thing for him to – for everyone to see that everybody's okay. All right? Tom went and had his success. Bill's having his success. But getting a championship I don't think is the measuring stick and no one should look at it because it's just very hard to complete. Tom Brady has made it look deterministic in recent years about winning championships, but in fact it's probabilistic. A lot of things have to bounce your way. It's a credit to Brady that he's made it look the way he has. Why, Hey, Teddy, thanks a million for dropping by. Appreciate you. you, Why one New York team is trying to steal the magic of the real New York team. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max Podcast. James Harden is sidelined versus the Warriors due to a hand strain. And the Nets, Key, J, lost to the Warriors 110-106 on Saturday night. But more concerning for the Nets was that Harden hand strain. Hand strain. Not a hamstring, but a hand strain. (laughs) Head coach Steve Nash said it's an injury that's been bothering the 32-year-old Harden for several days. Here is Nash being asked about Harden's availability against the NBA-leading Suns tomorrow night. Do you have an idea of James's availability in Phoenix, given he couldn't go? I do not. Uh, you know, we'll have to see how, how it settles, but uh, you know, we're hopeful. Jay, how concerned are you about the injuries piling up for this Nets team? Well, like I said before, guys, I... Um... I think this is going to work out to their advantage. Now you have Joe Harris out, Paul Millsaps out, obviously KD is out, James out. But like I said, if they can fall somewhere between that five to seven to eight range, they're going to have the majority of their games in the playoffs with Kyrie on the floor in their big three. I'm not worried about the health of the Nets right now. I'm worried about the health of the Nets when we get into March and April with the big three. If they're on the court and they're in that C range, that's going to be a problem for the rest of the Eastern Conference. I am more concerned about Steve Nash and his play calling down the stretch, which was shown in that Milwaukee game. But that's a conversation for another day. Key? Yeah, I'm I just, you know, I look at it and I say to myself, much like Jay, I'm not worried about t- certain teams you don't worry about. They got three-headed monsters. I watched Kyrie the other night against, uh, I believe it was Golden State he was playing against, and he was a lone ranger by himself out there just cooking and had him in the mix. Yeah, one thing I'll say, guys, is that I agree with both of you, dead on, but 
very little margin for error. In other words, like when you are doing all this, Jay, and hey, now we get an extra game with Kyrie on the road. Now, if Kyrie happens to miss a game with injury, knock wood, that doesn't happen, but it's mm-hmm. happened often in the past, right? Yep. All of a sudden, it evaporates. The whole, the whole, whole like, thing's gone. The whole thing's gone. What? So, so the margin for error, the Nets are leaving themselves no room. Now, if these three guys are available, they don't need the room, but they are leaving themselves no room. Wiggle room. And Key, you're right. It was, it was Golden State. I don't know why I said Milwaukee. I guess so many games I'm watching towards oh, every single night. Yeah, it was right. It was Golden State. All right. The Monday morning roundup is brought to you by AutoZone. Get in the zone. AutoZone. Meantime, guys, the Giants hire Brian Dable as head coach. He's the Bills offensive coordinator to be their next head coach. Now, of course, Dable replaces Joe Judge, who went 10-23 and 23 and was fired after two seasons. He was the third consecutive Giants coach to be fired after two seasons or less, following Ben McAdoo and Pat Shermer. Now it's Dable's turn to try to stop the bleeding. Here's Chris Canty on Canty and Golick Jr., of course, uh, Super Bowl champion Chris Canty, on what Dable must do to be successful in New York. Well, it's about being able to develop the quarterback, being able to get the quarterback to realize their full potential, and then hopefully that player developing into a guy that can elevate the talent around him. And that's been the thing that's eluded the New York Giants for the past three seasons is not having a difference maker at the quarterback position, and that's why the offense has been as stagnant as it has been. Well, you're bringing in a guy who basically turned Josh Allen short career around when I say short it was only a couple years into him being a pro then all of a sudden Brian Dable turned him into a perennial pro bowl caliber quarterback got him in AFC championship games playoff games and so I think when you look at fixing something it has to start with the quarterback spot and Daniel Jones is already there he has some tools he's not Josh Allen but he has some tools and if Brian Dable is Pat Shermer, which was supposed to be an uh, uh, offensive guru who knew what to do, if he could do better than 9-23, and 23, I think y'all on to something. And I think he will be able to because if you look at what they were able to do in Buffalo on the offensive side of the ball, they got some pieces in play in the Giants organization. Now they just got to let Brian Dable do what he's capable of doing. And I will say this to Brian Dable because I don't know it yet. You got hired to turn things around. The reason you got hired is because you were the offensive play caller for Buffalo. Do not, and I repeat, do not give up the play calling and do not surrender the play calling to anyone at all. Yeah, I, I my expectations, Max, are a little bit lower here as it relates to Daniel Jones. And... Yes, I, I, I give Brian Dable a lot of credit as it relates to Josh Allen, but he also had him from the beginning. Like, there's something to be said about the environment that you come into a league with and how somebody helps you build over time. One of my concerns about Daniel Jones, and, and look, I hope he proves this wrong, that he can get out of it, but, I mean, his best offensive season was his rookie year, right, with Shermer. So now you think about between Shermer, between Garrett, between Kitchens, like all the coaches that he's had – it's a lot of change just now all of a sudden in one year for Brian Dable to come in and say, hey, even though I know he likes him, I'm going to show an increase of judgment, you know, increase of his play, and I'm going to expect him to be this incredible quarterback. I just don't know if that's Daniel Jones's ceiling right now considering what he's been through. I have a different take on this, guys. <clears throat> My problem with the Giants recently, a fish rots from the head down, you know. 
And I kept saying, the issue is not the GM, even Gettleman, who was no good, obviously. It was a laughable hire from the beginning to me. Or the coaches who haven't worked out. That John Mara, a guy with a lot of goodwill in New York, like you know the whole Mara family, was needed to remove himself as president of the team. His heart was always in the right place, but his head was not. But listening, watching his behavior recently, looking at the action that he's taken, and hearing what he's said, I feel like John Mara's head is now in the right place. I'm, as a fan, happy with these hires. Of course, the jury's out on Dable as a head coach, but I'm happy with these hires. And, and guys, what we will now find out is what Daniel Jones can be. And what are the options, really, anyway? Even if you bring in Trubisky, there's no superstar quarterback there. You might as well build the team from the inside out, offensive line, etc., while you're trying to figure out if, if Jones can be key. He doesn't have to be a superstar, but a Super Bowl-winning level quarterback. And if the answer's no, you've built the rest of the team, great. Look for your quarterback. And if the answer's yes, there you have it. Yeah. Yeah, see, I, I I think Mitchell Trubisky could push Daniel Jones with Brian Dable. Eventually, Mitchell Trubisky, if Daniel Jones doesn't work out, could be the answer. I'm just telling yeah. you. Guy wasn't picked at two for nothing. No, oh my God. Mitch Trubisky right now, based on what happened in Chicago, looks like maybe he really is a franchise quarterback. He went to the playoffs twice with Chicago. How much does Patrick Mahomes... Speaking of playoffs, how much blame does he actually deserve for the AFC Championship implosion? That's next. Keyshawn J. Willemax on ESPN Radio and Sirius XM Channel 80. Thanks for listening to Keyshawn J. Willemax, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio.